We are going to go ahead and uh, finish up our look at the church this morning. We have uh, been all over, you might say, in different books. We've looked at how the church, the word church in the, the Bible is the word for an assembly, and that Jesus said he will build his church, his assembly. So the, the word church, in fact, is derived from the word belonging to God, which means that we are the assembly, the, the people who have gathered together who belong to Jesus Christ. And we looked at how the, the mark of the church, what separates us, what should hopefully tell people that we are Jesus' disciples is an attitude of love for one another. That, that our love will be our mark. And then the last two weeks, we looked at the, the witness of the church that we commonly called evangelism, to share the good news, to, to witness to people about who Jesus Christ is and what He has done for us and in our lives. And then last week, we looked at discipleship, that that is the work of the church, the making of and helping to grow and shape disciples. And so today, what we're going to look at is, uh, having looked at all those things, we're going to look at this imagery of the church being a body. How we come together as a church. How we work together as a church. That the, the things that we have seen, the mark of the church being love, it's not just for some. It's for all of us to love one another. That the work of evangelism, it's not just for some, although some people do more of it than others and are gifted for it, but we all have the opportunity as we come across people who don't know Jesus to do our part for evangelism and even discipleship. There are those who are gifted to make disciples and to help people grow in discipleship, but we all have the opportunity to be part of that work because we are all part of what is called the body of Christ. And there's two predominant places you can go for this body imagery. Is, and they're both chapter 12s. Romans chapter 12, where we, where we are going to be today. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has a lot of really rich stuff, and I might uh, you know, refer to it. Paul is a lot cleaner in Romans. Let's just put it that way. He is smoother in Romans. And 1 Corinthians, it is a lot, and he is all over the place with it. It's good stuff. But we're going to be in Romans because it's just a little bit cleaner as we look at this idea of being a body. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look just at verses 3 through 8. And if this feels like we've been here recently, back in uh, the first part of October, maybe it was even, I think it was definitely in the first part of October, we were in chapter 12, verses 9 through 13 or, or so, looking at uh, this passage. So, so we're, we're going just a little bit ahead of that. And in verse 3, and let's just go ahead and, and read through the, the whole passage together. And Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually 
members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now the, the, the central thing I want to, the first thing I want us to see in here is uh, this idea of that we are many members, just as we have uh, uh, many members in our body, and, and in, in 1 Corinthians Paul even talks about, you know, maybe one of us is an ear, or one of us is an eye, or a foot, or a hand, that, that this is a, an imagery he is creating that, that as we come together and as we serve together, we make up the body of Christ. That uh, just as our bodies have different parts with different functions, you know, you, and some people, if they, we were just looking at a video this morning where a, a, a young boy was born without arms and so he eats with his feet. You know, he can hold a fork with his foot and, and eat. But most of us, you know, we use our hands. We have our feet for walking. We have our hands for eating and for doing other things. We're the body. And just as we have these different parts that do different things, as we come together in the church, we all have different parts. We all make up a different part. And we have different functions and we do different things within the church. And if a church doesn't have those hands, then people who are feet have to figure out how do we do the things that those Hands would have been doing. You know, but it's, it's not literal. It's an imagery thing that he is creating. And, and one of the things I, wanted, I want you to notice about this is that it's not just that we are united uh, in Christ or that we are united with Christ, but notice what Paul says. We are united in Christ to one another. We are united in Christ not even with. It's not just the idea that we have come together into a church body and we are united in this body together or that we are united through Christ, but that we are united to one another. And maybe I'm splitting hairs a little bit on this one. But it's the idea of not just that member of Eagle Mountain Baptist Church and you're a member of Eagle Mountain Baptist Church, so there's that. No. That means I'm a member of you. You're a member of me. We are joined together as we come together in a body of Christ, in a church. And in a smaller way, we are joined to the larger, the universal church. He says in verse uh, 4 and 5, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, so we're, we're members of the body of Christ, the church. But then, notice there's that comma and the word and. And individually, members one of another. So it's not just that, oh, I'm a, a part of an organization. No, it means that part of my identity is you. Part of your identity is me. As we come together in a church, we affect 
that church. We change the body because the body is the people. We're not just merely parts of the whole, we're parts of each other. You know, similarly to in, in a wedding uh, ceremony, when you make your vows as man and wife, you uh, pledge yourselves richer and poorer for sickness and health. You, know, uh, you take on all the weaknesses of your spouse. They take on all your weaknesses. Their strengths become your strengths. Your strengths become their strengths. You become, to a certain extent, defined by one another. We are defined by the company we keep in many ways. And so as we come together as a body, we are united not just in the church, but to one another. And, and so how this uh, lives out for us is to realize that you matter to the body. You change it, you, you help it, or you hinder it. You, you, you help the body grow healthy, or it, it, metaphorically speaking, if we become cancerous, we can cause the body suffering. We each affect the body. We become part of the identity of that church. You know, and you get a if you ever visited a church and maybe it was such a big church you didn't know who was a member and who wasn't, who was visiting just like you, and you could have a bad experience with somebody. Maybe they treated you bad or maybe they cut you off and got that parking spot and you thought, oh, this church is a horrible place. And for all you knew, they were just visiting just like you. But every single one of us becomes this church to the outside world, outside of our fellowship. Each and every one of us. In fact, we had a member, uh, she, she would put on her t-shirts. She would get t-shirts from different functions that we would hold. And as long as the t-shirt said Eagle Mountain Baptist Church, she would wear it when she went shopping. Because that helped her behave herself. Because she knew when she was out shopping, she wasn't anonymous. She was a representative of Eagle Mountain Baptist Church. So she was going to be kinder to the other people in, in the grocery store. Because she knew it wasn't just about her. She represented you. And she wasn't going to make you look bad either. That was her desire. Part of this, though, also, you know, pragmatically speaking, it's important for us to think about strongly being a church body. Because according to what Paul is saying, we are united to Christ, in Christ to one another. So when you're thinking about, I'm going to join a church body, I'm going to join in membership with these people, are these the kind of people I want to be associated with? I know that's probably a, seems very crass and even uh, surface level, you know? But it's true. We need to think as we are joining with other Christians, is this an organization, is this a group of people that I want to represent? Are these people that I want to be lumped in with, for lack of a better phrase? You know, and the same thing is true when we think about leaving a church. Hey, we're part of that body. For better or worse, we are part of the identity of that body. And when I leave, I take part of that identity away. I better not do it for foolish things. I better not do it for petty things. I better do it for really good reason if I'm going to disrupt the body of Christ in that way. Each one of us shapes who we are. One of the, the 
best illustrations I have for early on, I think it was my first year here, we were having a function. We had um, thrown out postcards and invited people, and we had uh, a majority of non-church members at this function. Most of the people were responding because they got something from us inviting them to here, to the church, and they came. Okay, so that was awesome. And we're, we're making sure they can park well. We're getting them to the fellowship hall. We're going to have a meal. We're going to have activities for their kids. And, and as I'm being told, hey, come back in so we can pray for the food, so we can start eating, I walk in, and there is a gentleman holding up a, a cardboard roll of toilet paper, telling everybody that's assembled, most of whom we don't know, that they need to start collecting these because they're going to be a, a, an artifact because the toilet paper companies are designing cardboardless toilet paper rolls. And he had just been replacing the toilet paper roll in the bathroom, and he took it out, and he wanted to let us all know we needed to save those. You want to talk about deflating an experience. I could see it in the eyes of people I had never met other than say, hello, welcome. They were looking for the nearest exit. This was too crazy for them, you know? And, and one of the, the ladies that was, a, that was there that's a member of the church, she said, you know what? That's, that's who this gentleman is. Every, every family's got one of them, and he's ours, you know? Uh, he was part of our identity, as a church, our identity was, yeah, we, we might have a person just stand up and start lecturing you about toilet paper rolls. That's us. We're you know, and, and if you're that type of person, maybe there would have been somebody in the room that day that said, wow, what a great place to be. Most of the people there were a little bit freaked out, and they were trying to figure out how to get away as fast as they could. But maybe somebody was saying, how awesome. This is a church that will accept me, that I can find a place here. That was part of our identity. Each one of us has that power to bless or to curse, to make the church shine, or to make people say, oh, I know that place. Let me tell you about that place. My neighbor goes to that place. And we've all been indicted because of one of us. That is how much power each of us has because though we are individuals, we are united in each other. Not just that we're showing up. No, we are united to one another. And because of that, we each have a role to fulfill in the church. Because we are united together, we each have a role. You can't, uh, well, I guess, I guess you could. You could just be that worthless growth that somebody would go to a doctor to and say, could you remove this? It's just sitting there. Nobody wants to be that on the body, do you? Nobody wants to be just that growth that it started growing and now it's just a puffy piece of skin and it's kind of unsightly and I'd just like you to remove it. Nobody wants to be that. Everybody, I would hope, wants to be a productive part of the church. And notice it's not just a, a role to fill. It's not that you have a place to fill or a role to fill. It's not, we're not talking about, oh, if you're a round peg, we've got a round hole for you to fill, or if you're a square peg, we've got a square hole for you to fill. No, it's each of us have a role to fulfill in the church, to, to bring to completion, to work in, to develop, 
Paul tells us that our role in the church is God-designed, that he has gifted us to do it. In verse 4 here, uh, he says, For just as we have many members in one body, we've looked at that, and all the members do not have the same function. You know, we've looked at that. An ear has a specific purpose, and if we judge the ear based on how well it sees, it's going to fail, right? And, and there are parts of our bodies we don't even know about. We don't even know where they are, and if they stop working, we are in trouble, right? There, there are parts within our bodies. We don't know where they are in the body. Maybe you do if you've been a pre-med student or something like that. But the majority of us don't know where certain things are. All we know is that the, if those parts of our body stop working, we're going to be in pain. And we are going to be miserable. And we are going to be wishing we were dead because of a little bitty part of our body. And that's what he's saying, that, that we have many members of our body. They don't all have the same function. And therefore, in verse 5, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And then in verse 6, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And, and that entire phrase, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, is completely added in my translation. I'm reading it to you because that's where, what my translation is saying. It's trying to communicate in English something out of uh, Koine Greek that didn't need all those words. Basically what he's saying is since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, according to what God has given us, that it is all grace, Grace is a gift. Grace is something that you don't have naturally. So when we speak of somebody acting with grace or their movements were graceful, we're saying that they have something beyond what is normal. And so each of us has been given a gift from the Holy Spirit, from God, and it is grace. It is a gift, something beyond ourselves. And because of that, we need to fulfill them. We need to use them. We need to exercise accordingly. And we understand that that's what he means because the verse ends, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. We need to live out according to what we've been given, according to our faith. The gifts that we have been given are given to us by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has gifted it to us. He has given it to us. Each one of us, all of us, have probably more than just one spiritual gift. Something that he has wired us with to enable us to, to serve him. And, and our role in that is not just that we take it and keep it and hide it, but that we would use it for the benefit of the body. Not just, not just a portion, but that it would benefit all. And, and each gift is a little bit different. You know, and in 1 Corinthians, he definitely gets into this where he says, look, uh, the eye you know, can't say, well, I have no need of the ear. And the, the, the hand can't say, I have no need of the foot. No, I, I need those. Even if it's not my particular role, we still need them. And, and the same thing is true in the church. Everybody is not a teacher in the church. We all have the opportunity to to teach one another and disciple, but not everybody has the spiritual gifting of being a teacher. In a similar way, some people are really gifted in helps. They, they, they serve so quickly and readily, and they, they just 
are excellent at it in a way beyond the way most of us are able to help. That's a spiritual gift. That's God has wired us in a way to serve and to work. And, and as part of our responsibility as a church as we disciple people, part of the discipleship is figuring out what has God called me to do? What has God given me the ability to do? And then to seek, how do I live that out? How do I fulfill that? And, and each one of us has a role, and, and we're not called just to... And, and you might sit there and say, well, I know what my role used to be when I was in my 30s. But now I'm in my 70s, and I don't know what my role is anymore. I can't do those things anymore. Well, if we're here together today, you've got a role. If God hasn't said you're done, welcome home, good and faithful servant, you've got a role to play. It may look different. But we each still have gifting and a role to play. It might be just to be an encourager to the person nearby. It may just be the role of, of, of bringing a joyful presence and, and helping another along. It may be advice. Maybe you've done a job in the past, you can't do it anymore, but you can still tell a person, well, this is how I did it. It may be that you've it's more discipleship. You know, if you were a teacher and you taught a whole Sunday school class and now you can't quite do that, you don't have the strength or the energy to do it, it might be just, just a kindly word once in a while to this individual or that individual. Maybe that's the role that we're playing today. Our roles may change. Oftentimes they change within the gifting. So for instance, I first began by teaching Bible studies and then out of that, it grew. And I anticipate someday in the future, hopefully a very long way away in the future, it'll probably dwindle to something smaller again than preaching on a Sunday morning. Those smaller areas aren't lesser. They're just different. And I anticipate someday finding a new role. You know, 20, 30 years away would be nice. But I anticipate that. The main thing is whatever role we have been called to, whatever role we have been gifted in, whatever role we find in front of us to do, that we would be faithful to God's gifting in that role. That we would be faithful to live it out. That we would be faithful with what God has given us. We don't have to be faithful with what He has given somebody else, but to be faithful and what He has given us today, this year, this season, this decade. What has God placed for us to do? Not what somebody else has been given, but for us. To be faithful to God's gifting. And, not, and I mean that, to, to what He has given us the ability to do, His gifting. Because remember, that's Paul's language here. We have been given gifts. And in fact... Um, the continuation of verse 6 there is, is since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, we need to, to live them out accordingly. We need to exercise them accordingly. If, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, uh, the person who teaches in their teaching. Uh, you know, if you've been gifted with teaching, live it out to the fullest as you've been given to teach. 
And even then, so often we can start looking at another person and say, oh, they, they teach so well. Oh, they're so polished. Oh, they always seem to know what questions to ask. That's not the focus. The focus is how can you be faithful with what God has gifted you? He might not have gifted you with the ability to teach that way. But you know what? If he wanted you to, he would have made you that person. He made you you. And he wanted to place you in, in the place that he has you and to give you the gifting and the skills that he has given you for his purposes. And our purpose, our focus should be, how do I live this out faithfully? How am I faithful to what God has called? And so he continues in verse 8, he who exhorts in his exhortation. That's to, to come along and encourage people. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are all sorts of different gifts, all sorts of different kinds of people, but everybody has the opportunity to be faithful in what God has given them. Not to try to outdo somebody else, not to try to keep up with somebody else. And I guess the, correlate, the, 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 the flip side could be, if God has gifted and called a person to speak to a lot of people, they need to live that out and not say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I just want to talk to five or six. You know, maybe a person only has the, the technical ability, the, 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 the skills to speak to a large crowd, and they're awful trying to talk to five or six people. You know, and, and you could just as easily get worked up. I wish I could lead five or six people in a discussion. I can talk to an entire auditorium, but I can't do this. And we can get, it can go both ways. We can get upset that, oh, I, I, you know, I never seem to be asked to be leading, but yet you're the one that always seems to be showing mercy to people, to being gracious to them. We need to be faithful in the way that God has called us. You know, Paul in his own life, that was how he lived. He was faithful to, uh, he struggled with it, I'll grant you. As much as God said, you're my apostle to the Gentiles, go to the Gentiles, Paul constantly wanted to go to the Jews. And it got him in trouble and it got him in prison. All right? So he's a great example, first, of a guy who said, I always want to go somewhere where nobody else has planted the foundation yet. I want to go where the gospel hasn't been preached. That was his purpose. That was his gifting, to go where the gospel hadn't been. Other people can come by. Oops, sorry about that, Simon. Other people can come by and... and uh, build up the church and nurture the church over years, that wasn't, his, that wasn't his thing. His thing was to be the first guy. And yet he had a heart's desire to do something that was not what God had called him to do. That was reaching out to the Jewish people still. And when he went that way, he got arrested. When he went that way, he was imprisoned. So we can see in him first, yeah, what it looks like when you're doing what God has called you to do. And we can see there are consequences when we're not faithful to what God has called us to do. Even if it's a godly thing, even if it's something you know, that he has called other people to do. And in fact, Paul in the very beginning, verse 3, he said, for through the grace given to me. In essence, he's saying because of God's calling in my life, what he has given me. Uh, the ability to discern, the ability to proclaim to you, the people in the church in Rome, through the grace given to me, Paul, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself 
than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. And it's kind of, so here he's saying not to think highly of ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says to them, don't think lower of yourself. You know, that, that a person would say, oh, because I'm an ear and not an eye, you know, I'm somehow lesser a member of the body of Christ. He says, don't think that way either. In fact, the parts of our body that seem to be less valuable, we treat with more honor. You know, the, the things that are less honorable, we actually treat with more honor. And so his focus is, don't think more highly of yourself. Don't, don't get a big head. Don't think you're all that when you're not. But on the other hand, don't put yourself down. Don't think of yourself lower than you should. But instead, for us to be sober-minded, to have good judgment, to recognize who we are, what God has called us to do, and to be faithful to do it according to the measure of faith that He has given to each one of us, according to the, the grace given to us. Look at ourselves reasonably to recognize I'm not called to do that and I'm not that bad. This is what God has called me to do. And I need to be faithful in this. This is, this is our wheelhouse. This is where we need to work. Where am I faithfully living out what God has called me to do. Now, the, 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 the problem with that, of course, is uh, we might not know what God has gifted us to do. You know, we, we might be sitting around and we read the chapters that talk about spiritual gifts and we say, that's all well and fine, but I don't know what God has called me to do. I, don't, I look around, maybe. You look around and you think, I don't see what God has called me to well, that, that's where last week in our look at discipleship that we would help one another to teach one another to grow and to keep the commandments of God. That, that's part of the God, gifting that God has given me. That's one of the reasons why I'm a pastor. Is, and as I mentioned last week, that's my invitation. Let's, let's meet. Call me up. Write me an email. Text me. Grab me before you leave this morning and say, I want to talk and I want to look at and I want to figure out what has God gifted me to do. And we'll do that together. I, and I'm not the type that just declares to you, thus saith the Lord through David Cecil. No. Let's find out what God has put on your heart. Let's find out what, what skills he's already given you, what gifts he's already given you to do. Let's discover that. And then let's find out what, what is God calling you to do with that. We need to investigate it to figure it out. You know, maybe it's that you felt called to do a certain type of ministry and you look around and, and you say that ministry isn't around anymore. You know, we are currently in our lives as a body of Christ lacking certain things, certain areas that, that we as humans think, well, we have to have this. You know, we, we've gone back to Bible study, and, but we don't have children's Sunday school. And that's a chicken and an egg problem. I mean, I guess if you wanted to start teaching a Sunday school class for children, we could start that. But you might be sitting in a room by with one kid. We could start that, but it might be difficult. And maybe, the, the, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe that's what we're waiting for is one of you that says, look, God's called me to teach children and I want to do it, and you'll start doing it. And then the next thing you know... Uh, 
a family will show up with kids that are that age and they'll come in and they'll enjoy it. That might be what God's waiting on is just one of you to say, I feel called me to do this. But it also could be that that's a, that's a ministry I've had in the past. Maybe, maybe it's not here because God's changing me. Maybe God's moving me. Maybe God's making me adjust. Sometimes that happens. He helps us to grow. A lot of times he has to take away what's comfortable. Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm going to stay in a nice warm bed instead of getting up in the cold. I like to be comfortable. And so sometimes we need God to rip those sheets and covers off. So we lose the comfort so we get to moving where he wants us to move. Maybe that's what he's doing as well. But I want to encourage you today to remember we are the body of Christ together. You and me together, you and the person next to you, you and the person behind you and in front of you, we represent each other. We're not just members of a church. We are members of one another in the church. And we are here to fill, fulfill a role, to bring it to its completion. God has gifted you and called you to serve him, and to serve the body, and to serve the world around us. We need to be faithful to what he has called us to. Nothing else. Faithfully to respond and to serve as he has led. And I want to help you. If you don't know how that is, I don't, if you don't know where that is, I want to help you find that place. Because I want us to be faithful together as the body of Christ at Eagle Mountain Baptist. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We, we acknowledge and, and declare that you are our God, our King. That you have called us after your purpose to, and you have gifted us through your Holy Spirit that we might serve you and serve one another and, and encourage each other and be a witness to the community around us. Lord, in, in so many ways, as a body, we struggle and we suffer. We look around and we say, oh, we don't have a hand and we're missing an eye and we're missing an ear and it can feel that way and it can feel like we're, we're struggling in those ways. Lord, you have given us everything we need and you've given us each person that is here to be a part of this service to you. And as you've called us to be members of Eagle Mountain Baptist Church, you've called us to be members of one another. Lord, I pray that we would not be content to watch, to sit on the sidelines, to just say, well, I'm just going to go over here. But Lord, that we would seek to know how we can serve you. That we would take our place in the body of Christ. And that we would be faithful to those things you are calling us to do. Lord, we thank you for your Son. Who, who through his death on the cross and his resurrection is able to bless us with these gifts, is able to give us the Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray for anyone here today who has yet to be believe in Jesus, to place their faith in him. We ask that you would open up their hearts to you. That they would hear their, and see their need for a Savior and respond to Jesus. Lord, we pray these things today in his name.
Amen.